thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 246 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking all about goals. It's important for us to have goals as runners, but it's also important to set the right kind of goals and to also know what to do if we miss a goal. Because like we know, sometimes we're going to be successful and sometimes we're going to fall short. So how can we focus on the things that we have control over? This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so if you are a college basketball fan, you know that we are in the midst of March Madness, and they have, there have been some wins and some losses, and that's kind of one of the inspirations that we have here with this episode. Right, you watch these these games, and people have worked for months, years to win a basketball game, and at the end of the of the day, not everybody wins the games. Most people end up losing the games. Yeah, that's kind of how it works out. And when we were talking about this episode, and Kevin was like, yeah, you know, 63 teams lose, and I was like, well, there's actually a a lot more than that, right? Like, what about all the teams that didn't even make the tournament, right? right? And it's interesting to think about because when you have a tournament like that, there's one winner, right? And in any race, there's also one winner. But it's interesting because a lot of us, real life runners, don't enter races to win them, right? Right. And so it's a different mentality. But I think that all of us are trying to push our limits in some way. And so even if you might not be standing on the number one spot on the podium, there's something that you're trying to gain from your running. Maybe it's joy. Maybe you're just going out there to enjoy and to be active, and that's fantastic. But maybe there's something else that you're striving for. Maybe you want to get a faster time. Maybe you want to be able to run a longer distance. And so it's important, whatever your um, reason is for running, that you set a good goal. And that's really what we want to focus on in today's episode. Right. So we're going to kind of parallel goals that these teams may have set inside of, you know, a basketball tournament or really at the start of the season that culminates ideally in the basketball tournament and the parallels with setting goals inside of running. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's probably a lot of teams out there that start a season off without the goal of winning the entire thing. Right. Like every team can't do it. And there's going to be some coaches that are, are a little more practical. They're like, all right, we're probably not cutting down the nets at the end of the tournament. But they, they still have big goals. Maybe the big goal for that particular team is just making the tournament itself. Yeah, especially some of these smaller teams that we always get to hear about. Like, I love hearing these Cinderella teams, yeah. you know, that, like, come in, you're like, who? Like, what school is that? What state is that in? You have no, you've what never heard. conference did they win yeah, to do that? you have never heard of this school before in your life. And here they are in the March Madness tournament. I think that that's fantastic because it can create so much exposure for those schools. So for a lot of these, especially especially smaller schools with very low budget, the goal is just getting to the tournament, right? Winning that little conference that they're in and making it to the tournament. Like you were reading an article the other day about the budget of, of one school versus the other, right? Was it St. Peter's versus Kentucky? Well, yeah, it was St. Peter's, like their whole, uh, what their endowment, the entire school's endowment was less than the salary of the head coach that they were playing in the opening round. Yeah, and then like the basketball budget. The as basketball well. budget was was like multiple orders of magnitude smaller right. than the budget of the like every other school that were that they were playing. Yeah, it was crazy. Like it was I don't remember the exact numbers, but I want to say it was something like 161 million dollars that the basketball program budget was at like 
Kentucky versus St. Peter's was like a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, two fifty, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like that is like you said, orders of magnitude. You know, we're talking like this is just crazy money versus like. I mean, it's all, it's all, it's kind all of, crazy money. It's all crazy money, but yeah, it's just nutty. So yeah, for some teams reaching that tournament would be the goal. And to relate that to running, that might be like getting to the race, right? Fit, getting to the start line healthy or just completing that race. Yeah. The, the completing the race and still feeling strong, still feeling healthy, like completing the race with a smile on mm-hmm. my face. We've had a lot of team members that have suggested like, my goal is to get across the finish line and still have enough energy to put my hands in the air and smile. That's an awesome goal. There's other runners out there, other basketball teams out there that probably have maybe like a multi-layered goal. Maybe the big goal is we'd like to win the whole tournament. But underneath there, there's like, well, you know, we'd like to win our conference. Maybe we get to the second weekend of the tournament. There's smaller goals along the way that they'd be really happy with. But maybe the big goal is winning the entire thing. Right. And that's like what we talk about inside of our training academy. We, t- we teach our runners how to set multi-level goals, right? So how to set, you know, an A-level goal, a B-level goal, a C-level goal, so that no matter what happens during your race, because there's always things that are outside of your control. And we're going to talk about that in more depth here. But whatever happens in that race, you can walk away from that race with something good, right? With some sort of accomplishment, because Every single one of us that runs a race, that toes the line of a race, even if you don't finish, right? Like if you're just by starting a race, you've already accomplished something. You've put yourself out there. And I think that that really deserves to be um, celebrated for a lot of us, right? But then we want to move on from that too, right? Like maybe the first time you've ever trained for a marathon, your goal is getting to the starting line that, you know, maybe it's getting to the finish line. Maybe it's finishing without injury. There's lots of different layers of goals that you can set. And I think that that's, you know, on point with what's happening with the basketball as well. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, but like you said, sometimes you have to move past that and that's where it gets in this idea of the excitement of setting a big goal. And you brought up the example of St. Peter's who had an, a fantastic run. They were a 15 seed in the tournament and opened up by knocking out a number two seed and ruined the bracket challenge that we had going in our family as they completely messed up my bracket right there. But <laughs> Every team at the start of the season starts, oh no, you know, like no one, it's it's win losses are nothing. Everyone's essentially tied for first and and last. This is the same thing that happens at the start of a race. Everybody's just standing there in the starting corrals at a big race or kind of in a cluster at a smaller local race. Like there's still just sort of everybody there at the beginning. You can set however ambitious of a goal you want, but you kind of have to somewhat root this in reality. Eh, I mean, kind of. Kind of. Right. So, and this is really what we're going to break down in this episode for you guys, because it's important for you to have a big goal. And quite honestly, your big goal should not be that realistic. Like if you're really doing this right, if you're doing this goal setting thing right, like it's important for you to dream really big because that's how we move out of our comfort zone. That's how we evolve into the next version of ourselves. The goal that you set for yourself, when you set a big goal, should not be possible for you with where you are currently. 
right? Right. You, it should be impossible for you to achieve right now where you are with the right training, with the right mindset, with the right foundation. Yes, you will improve to a level that you will be able to achieve that goal. But where you are now, you should not be able to achieve that goal if we're really looking to set bigger goals. Right. So I want to go back into the Cinderella story from this year's madness of St. Peter's did not just knock off the two seed Kentucky in the first round. Then they won again. And then they won again. Like they kept winning games. They made the elite eight of the tournament, which is phenomenal. They probably started the season not with a plan of we're going to make the elite eight. Mm-hmm. I don't even think that was their big dreaming goal. But because, what if it was? We don't know. But look back. Okay. For the last decade, the winner of that conference has made the tournament and lost in the opening round okay. because they are always a 15 or 16 seed. So my guess is the goal, the like goal that they were like pushing for on the season was we're going to win the conference and we're going to make the tournament. But that's doable. That's in the realm of possibility. The big dreaming goal is we're going to make the tournament and we're going to win a game in the tournament. That's something that seemed out of the realm of possibility. It seems crazy because no one out of that conference has won a tournament game in like a decade. Right, but like, you know, we're obviously just talking hypothetically because we have no idea. We don't have, you know, the coach to St. Peter's on speed dial or anything. No, I do not. But like, what if his goal was let's make it to the elite eight, the final four, the championship game. Like that's what we should be striving for because why not us? Right? Like, yes, it has never been done before, but just because it's never been done before, doesn't mean it can't happen. Agreed. So your goal should really be to try to test your boundaries as much as you can. So from where you're currently sitting in your, your running journey, your goal is something you're like, well, that sounds kind of ludicrous. It kind of references back to what we were talking about I don't know, a couple weeks ago of I could never. Sure you could. Just decide whether that's something you actually want to do. Like, is that something? I know if you kind of think about the idea, there's probably plenty of people listening right now that are like, yeah, I, running a marathon itself sounds crazy. You guys are like, oh, set up a goal of just make it to the finish line. Yeah, 26 miles sounds ludicrous. Then that's a crazy goal. If you run a marathon, then stick a number towards the front of that thing that sounds crazy. And that's a big goal that you can have out there that kind of drives all of your actions. I think it's the big crazy goals that help provide some focus and motivation to keep you driving for some of the actions that you have to take that might not be the most exciting. That might be some of the more mundane processes that you have to go through for the best chance of success on your crazy goals. Yeah, because like we talked about in previous episodes and stuff, like the big goal is like that lighthouse in the distance, right? The big goal helps to give you a direction. It helps to give you clarity to help you know where you're going, right? And that's really important because when that goal is clear, when you can imagine the lighthouse or see the lighthouse in the distance. Maybe you're not quite sure the exact way to get there yet, but you can at least see it. You know that your goal is to get from where you are to that lighthouse, to that goal, right? And so everything that happens along the way, you can then look at as a learning experience, right? Maybe none of those teams that got to the tournament were undefeated, right? They all had losses. Yes, they did. Right? So a single loss earlier in the season, we can look at that as a learning experience. It's not the end of the road. You know that just because you lose a game here and there, that does not mean that you're not going to make the tournament. Like, obviously, you're going to have to win the majority of your games if you want to make the tournament, right? But 
it's the same thing in running, you know, a bad workout, a race that falls flat, like those things, while they kind of suck at the time, right? Like we can use them as learning experiences. They're not the be all end all. They don't mean anything about us as a runner. They don't mean that we suck. They don't mean that we're not cut out for this. It doesn't mean that, you know, you never should have shot for that goal in the first place. It just helps you discover, it helps to highlight an area of weakness, right? A training, you know, maybe a spot in your training that you didn't spend as much time in. Maybe you didn't spend as much time on strength training. And then somewhere in that race, you had like the knee issue that acted up on you, right? Or that calf cramp that happened at mile 20 of your marathon, right? Like, okay, what is that telling me? Is that telling me that I need to work on shoes? Is that telling me I need to work on my hydration? Is that telling me that I need to work on my strength training, right? So all of these little bumps along the way, like the losses early in the season can give us a very um, clear picture of like maybe where those holes in our bucket are, right? Like if you have a bucket that you're trying to fill and there's a bunch of holes in it, you got to start plugging those holes if you ever want to make that bucket be full. Right. I don't want to mix too many metaphors, but to kind of aim for the, the lighthouse if you have a race that goes bad or a workout that doesn't go quite the way you want it to, you're like, oh, I'm not actually aiming directly towards the lighthouse. Maybe I need to steer a little bit this direction. Like, that's what it is. It just sort of helps guide you along the way. You know, we've got plenty of kids in, in our cross-country team that where workouts early in the season don't go super well for them. And I'm like, yeah, of course that workout didn't go well. We haven't trained that aspect of mm-hmm. you yet. This workout was the first thing that really started highlighting that training aspect we haven't hit that speed that type of endurance sometimes the first time we put them on a hill they're like whoa what is going on here it's like oh yes you have to be exposed to this potential hiccup in your training so that you can get stronger and keep moving forward absolutely and that's why so many runners like how many runners elite runners recreational runners like any type of runner like does anyone progress in a linear fashion no absolutely not right like there are just hiccups along the way that's just how it goes and we can take this outside of running too like progress and success in any venture if the goal is big enough especially is going to have some sort of failure along the way some area some aspect that doesn't go exactly as planned right and from the outside it we like to assume things are linear like if you're observing somebody else you like to see linear progress so if that's you're, because it's so easy for our brain right. right so our brain always looks at other people especially like if you're following somebody on social media one they're only putting up highlights for the most part yep. and two you can see oh here's a dot here's the next dot here's the next dot you connect the dots with lines mm-hmm. you never connect them with the crazy hilly up and down waves that life actually is exactly and you know that's why it's really important for us no matter what happens happens in our training cycle to see the good and the bad to see those failures or those downtimes as learning experiences in places where we can get better and improve on the way to that bigger goal because those failures are actually going to make us stronger and actually going to make us more able to achieve that goal one of my coaches uses the one of my favorite analogies which is a baby learning how to walk, right? A baby learns how to walk. First they they pull up and then they fall down and then they get up again and they fall down, right? And over and over and over, if you've ever watched it, it's like such a fun process to be a part of. But like this, the baby never gives up. They never decide that like, oh, I fell down. I guess that means I can't walk now and just never try again, right? And it is in the process of getting up 
and falling down and getting up and falling down. That process of getting up is where they actually build the strength to be able to walk. Right. And they're never disheartened by people around them laughing because you know that that kid's standing up and then trying to take that first step where they're like, oh God, now I'm only standing on one foot and boom, down they go. It's funny to watch, but a parent laughing at the kid falling over the first time they try and take that good step, it's funny. And the baby is not like, oh no, I fell and the most important people in my life all laughed at me. They're like, judging me. They're judging me. <laughs> That's just not how the baby's mind works. They're like, yeah, everybody else is walking. I'm going to figure this thing out. Yeah, and if they see people laughing, they usually just laugh along with them. Also true. Right? Like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't the world be like a much more joyous place if we could all just like laugh along with whatever, whenever we saw someone else laughing? Yeah, let's just start by trying to turn everybody in the world into runners. That's going to help first. I think that is going to help, and that's really one of our biggest missions here on this planet is to make the world a happier and healthier place. But like baby videos are the best. Like baby laughter videos are like my favorite things to watch on like in, on in the internet, you know, Instagram reels. Like I saw one the other day and I know this is totally on a tangent here, but like there was this baby that had a flashlight. There was like a toddler, you know, probably 18 months old and the baby had a flashlight and there was like this little pug dog that was like, chasing the light and the toddler was cracking up hysterically as this dog was chasing the light and he was like turning the light on and off and just laughing and it's like one of those sounds that just makes your heart happy yes and it gave you some like good quality belly laugh also i'm in the other room <laughs> so all i've got is like i can hear a baby giggle and then angie just like like really solidly laughing in hysterics over this thing that you're watching it's, on your phone. It's I'm the like, cutest thing. Uh, I'm going to keep folding clothes in here. I have to show you the video. Remind me to do that when we finish recording because it's just the cutest thing. All right. But I think to kind of to bring this back in, one of the things that, that we really want to highlight here is understanding when you're striving for this big goal, the aspects of that goal that are within your control and what is not within your control. Right. So teams can make the goal of, you know, however many wins they want, getting as far in the tournament, making the tournament, like whatever the goal is. But ultimately what that team is capable of controlling is how well they play mm -hmm. you know what is the offense they're running what's the defense they're running like what's their preparation what what have they been doing in the weight room they're responsible for that sometimes a team gets matched up against you know somebody else in the tournament and it just it's a terrible matchup for them and even though they may try really really hard it's just it's a bad matchup and they end up losing the game because they were just dealt a poor hand yeah and there's always like that bracket that's maybe like the easier bracket or the uh -huh. harder bracket right and it's seemingly kind of, seemingly right and it's luck of the draw right yep. like where you get placed in in a lot of cases is just kind of luck of the draw and you don't have the a choice of who you're playing against and you know same thing for us as runners we can follow a training plan we can do everything quote unquote perfectly which as we all know real life often gets in the way so there's um, very um not not often very not often it's very seldom that's, seldom that's the word there's I'm the word <laughs> it's very seldom that the training plan goes exactly as planned right exactly perfectly but even if we do all of the things that we do have control over, we can't control the weather on race day, right? We can't control the profile of the race as far as how flat it is or if it's hilly. And, you know, granted, we can choose that ahead of time, right? Yep. But there's a lot of things that we can't control, like the heat, the cold, the climate, the crowds, right? They're down here in Florida, 
Um, there is a local race, the Fort Lauderdale A1A Half Marathon in February. And February in Florida is usually beautiful. Yes. Like, usually the weather is, that's like one of the best months of the year. But you never know what you're going to get. Like there's been years that that race is like 40 degrees. And then there's been years where it's 88. Like when you won that race, it was 88 it at was, the finish line. No, it was in the 90s at the finish line. It was 80 at the start when it was still dark outside. I think it was 88, but the felt like temperature was in yes, the 90s. Yes, I'll, I'll give you that one. Because it was really humid that day It was also. crazy, right? And like, what are the chances, right? You never know. And like the same thing with, you know, the Chicago Marathon sometimes is freezing temperatures and yep. again also it's in october there's been times there was that one year they had to like cancel the race right because it was too hot it was actually dangerous right they they started pulling people off the course like from the back they were just like all right you guys are just coming off the course for your yeah, own safety someone died yes right and so you can't control certain things um like that right but you can pick a race that kind of sets things up better in your favor right picking a flatter race picking a time of year where it's most likely going to be better weather right right? you can try to you can try to stack the deck in your favor to an extent to an extent you know maybe you just really want a beautiful race then you can find races i mean there's all sorts of lists search the google that thing up you know top destination races and then you can literally add the name of a state add the name of a country and there'd be phenomenally beautiful races but you're still not going to be quite confident exactly what the weather is going to be on that day Mm -hmm. it may will most likely be a gorgeous day but if you go for that race it's like oh i heard this race has the most beautiful sunrises and then it happens to rain on that day bet you're not seeing the most beautiful sunrise like you do the best that you can you try to stack the odds in your favor so it's sort of like yeah this is not in my control i can control it as best as possible and then the rest of it i just have to release from exactly and that's why it's really important to focus on the things that you can control when you're setting your goals and that's why we talk about two main different types of goals, okay? The first goal is what's called a process goal, and the second goal is what's called an outcome goal. And the big goal that we've been talking about, those are the outcome goals, right? So the outcome goals are that your goal is to finish a marathon. Your go- your outcome goal is to run a, a personal best, right, in that race to, to achieve a certain time. It says that we must win the game. We must drop the pounds. I want to weigh a certain number. I want to look a certain way in the mirror. I want to have these certain number of measurements, right? And outcome goals, while they do make good goals to shoot for, Part of that goal is outside of our control, right? Mm -hmm. Part of running a PR on race day is outside of your control. Like what we just said, you can't control the weather. You can't control, you know, how you feel. Maybe you like randomly have GI upset that day. Who knows what your body is going to decide to do. Um, And there are certain things that we just can't control. So we cannot actually control the number that shows up on the clock when we cross that finish line. Right. You can do the best you can. And I mean, I've heard of some pros that go to some pretty extremes to make sure that they've got all the conditions controlled as much as they possibly can. Like for the, you know, these world major marathons out of town, they will pack their own food for like the four days leading up to it. Yep. So they, one, they get there early enough so that they can kind of acclimate to the, the weather and if it's got elevation or whatever it is. But then they pack all their own food because you never want to go out to dinner and like, oh no, random food poisoning. You're just, or a restaurant you're not familiar with. Like 
all sorts of crazy things can happen. So these people, like, they're so over the top with making sure you've got all of the details figured out. Mm -hmm. It's it's all a sense of control, but there's always things that are beyond what you can, in fact, grasp your hands on and be like, no, no, I've got complete control over the situation. Right. And so that's why it's important for us to set that outcome goal as that lighthouse for us, right? That thing that we are shooting to, the thing that's directing our actions. But then we have to look at the process goals along the way, those steps that we need to take in order to have a chance of achieving that goal, right? It's not going to guarantee that we achieve that goal because like we said, part of it's out of our control, but the process goals are going to be those steps along the way that are going to set us up for our greatest chance of success. So these will allow us to celebrate the daily wins, to gather these incremental victories that will, when added together, help us to achieve that bigger goal. Right. That's This is the whole compounding effect. Like little teeny goals stacked up and over and over and over get a lot bigger results than just the, the sum of those little parts. So you can see some of the effects of this on the teams playing in the basketball tournament. These teams that are clearly mainly motivated by outcome-based goals, sometimes they fall behind early in the game and it completely changes the style of play. You know, maybe they change it because that was the plan. Oh, if we if we fall behind, we're going to do this thing, we're going to move to a different type of offense, but sometimes the like the star player on the team is like, "All right, we're down. It's all on me. I'm just driving the basket. Oh, I'm just going to shoot endless three-pointers all game long." And it completely changes the style of play because now you're making these reactive decisions in the moment because the outcome, the win of that game is so important that you completely forgot all the work that you put in that's actually going to help you accomplish it. Where you've got these process-driven teams, they're like, oh, we fell behind by a few points? Don't worry, we'll keep running our offense. Our offense leads to the best chance of success. We get into our core defense. That leads to the best chance of stopping them. There's no panic in them if they fall behind a little bit early. So you've had some things that look like it's going to be a crazy upset, and then the dominant team just keeps doing their thing. They don't worry. They don't freak out. They just do their thing, and it leads to a much greater chance of success. Yeah, and that also highlights like the depth of each th- that team too, yes. right? And it kind of makes me think of like when I was listening to you talk there, I was, it kind of makes me think of the tortoise and the hare. Yes. Right? Like the tortoise just like slow and steady, just keep going, right? And that hare will like sprint and get tired and get distracted and like be re- more reactive, right? And that tortoise is just going, right? And that's really what we want for you. Like we don't want you to obviously be as slow as a tortoise if you want to go faster than that. But like the goal here for us as runners is to use your experience and don't just be reactive, you know, in this situation. You have to create a plan and have process goals so that you can have the best chance for success. You know that, you know, if you have never started out a race by sprinting before, you probably shouldn't do that when you go start that race, right? Especially if it's like a half marathon or, or a marathon. Like if you take off sprinting, like it makes me think of uh, the local 5K that we love to do and the baseball players oh, at the high year. school, right? Every year. 
every year the it's one of the teams it's usually the baseball players because they end up teaching a surprisingly large amount of them and they're all required by their coach to run the 5k they're like oh mr brown i'm gonna beat you in this race i'm like mm, i find that unlikely they're like, oh, okay well i'm gonna beat you to the gate it's a quarter mile from the starting line to like the first right hand turn which is like the the gate of the school and they will go all out to maintain like three steps on me all the way to the gate and then they'll basically stop and walk for a good half mile because they're all completely out of breath whereas that's essentially my racing pace Mm -hmm. so it's it's always fun to see them at the finish line or in class the next day right so when we set those going back to you know process goals we want to set things that we actually have control over we want to set like those goals that are like the effort level that you're putting in, how many days per week you're running, how many days per week you're strength training, how much water you're drinking, the nutrition that you have, right? All of those things, when added together, will make you a stronger runner. And those are the things that you actually have control over, right? You don't have control over the weather. If you like wake up and it's a lightning storm outside, you might not get a run in that day, right? That might be one of those times on your training plan where things don't go as planned, but you still have the ability to try to reschedule that workout, try to find a treadmill, you know, that maybe you could run on or just skip it and move on to the next day, right? You have a choice on how you want to handle those things. Right. But you highlighted so many different aspects, which leads to the whole idea of avoiding new things on race day. This goes like very much parallels the basketball team that completely switches out their out their offense and suddenly it's just superstar driving to the basket. On race day, if you're not prepared for all of the different aspects, you know, if you're in a race that has a whole bunch of elevation changes and you didn't practice any hills, that's going to feel uncomfortable. You're probably going to end up walking a lot of the hills. If you just live in a place where running up and down hills is very difficult, like we do down here in Florida, you need to make sure that you've got uh, a whole lot of extra strength training in there. Maybe you find some steps that you're going up if you're going to have to deal with some sort of elevation. If you're out there for a long, long time and you know that you're going to have to fuel during the run, you better practice fueling during the run as you are in your training cycle. Going for a long run and marathon training is great, but just knocking out a 20 miler does not say, oh, now you can race 20 miles. You got to make sure that you're getting your 20 miler, that you've got your hydration along the way, that you've got a fueling plan, and that that plan will also be able to be executed at race pace on race day. Are you carrying all this stuff? Are you practicing with the fueling that they're going to provide on the course? Do you know how often they're providing fueling on the course? train appropriately so that you are taking control of as many aspects of racing as possible. Right. Because then you know that you at least have control of those things. And then it's one of those things that, you know, okay, well, I've done the best I can. Yes. Right. I've prepared myself in all of the ways that I possibly could. Now let's see what happens. Right. And then that when you show up at a race with that attitude and with that mentality, Instead of that pressure of, I have to hit this time, I have to run under two hours for my half marathon, I have to get, you know, that sub 35K, whatever it is, that's a lot of pressure. And that, depending on your mental state at that time, you know, it may be a good thing and it may not be a good thing, right? But if you can go into it knowing that you prepared well, right, that you put in the work, that you put in the miles, you did the strength training, and you're starting that race as well prepared as you can possibly be, fantastic. And if your training didn't go as well, you maybe, you know, there was some unexpected family events, unexpected illnesses that popped up along the way, 
knowing, you know, a lot of people when that happens, and this happens a lot on our on our training team as well, people will come to our coaching calls and be like, you know, I, I got COVID, like, what am I going to do? Like, I've got all these things. And you're like, well, there's nothing you can do about that part anymore, right? Like, right. you got sick, you missed two weeks. There's no point beating yourself up about it. There's no point wishing that it didn't happen because it did. Now, where you are right now in your training, let's figure out the best way for you to move forward, right? Are you going to run the race? Are you going to postpone that race and you know maybe defer it till next year are you going to try and run it anyway what is the risk reward benefit here right that's a lot of what you get is the risk reward benefit of sure maybe you could still go out and do the race but is that just going to wreck you for the next you know next week next three months who knows like if you really get your training derailed and you're like well i'm bound to determine to cross that marathon finish line sure you might cross that marathon finish line but then you might be injured and not you know even tying on the running shoes again for another six months is that the risk reward ratio that you want to play in or are you looking at running from a much longer point of view are you sticking with those process oriented goals of saying like long term yeah race PRs are great, cross and finish line, those are great, but I'm really, I'm looking at my big picture health and sideline for six months does not seem like a positive to my big picture health. Yeah, exactly. So now I think, you know, hopefully you guys understand the difference between outcome oriented goals and process oriented goals. And if you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. You can find us over there at real life runners. I love connecting with podcast listeners. And just tell me, you know, send me a DM and say, hey, was listening to episode number 246 and I had a question about this. You know, is this a process or an outcome goal? And if I have an outcome goal, how can I turn it into a process goal, right? Because that's one of the, the skills that we teach inside the academy as well is taking like that big goal and then breaking it down into process goals and reverse engineering to help you figure out the steps to get to that bigger goal, right? right? Assessing where you are right now and then knowing the steps that you need to take to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Process and outcome are both good. They both have a place in your goal planning. 100%. It's just a matter of which one you kind of are leaning on on any particular day. And for constant daily wins, process-oriented goals are, are awfully hard to beat. Yeah. And, you know, it's like if any of you are box checkers like I am, like you want to focus on those process-oriented goals, right? <laughs> Because those are the ones, like when you can check off a workout, when you can check off, you know, your hydration for the day, whatever it might be, that really helps to reinforce those behaviors. It helps to reinforce your identity as a runner, as a healthy person, as someone that cares about their fitness. And that's really going to help you continue to move forward and strengthen that identity within yourself. Excellent. All right. So the last thing that we want to kind of have a little discussion over is what happens when you miss out on the big goal. You know, you started the podcast out pointing out that there are 64 teams that make the tournament and 63 of them end their season with a loss. Mm -hmm. Not to mention all the teams that didn't even make the tournament that also ended their season with a loss. There's like one team that gets to cut down the nets. They won the whole thing. That's the team. But everybody else finishes with a loss. There is a lot of people at the finish line of various races who may have not won the race, may have not hit the PR they were going for, may have had to DNF a race. Like there are a lot of people who objectively missed out on whatever the big goal was. Mm -hmm. What comes next is kind of kind of where I want to go into here because you can see a lot of this show up 
in the tournament. And this is kind of where I started thinking, hey, let's let's do a, a podcast on this stuff from the tournament because you can see these such raw emotions on these like 18, 20 year old kids in the basketball game. Mm-hmm. They win and I mean, emotions are through the roof. They lose. They've got like their whole head is like completely covered in like a huge bath towel so that no one can see because no one wa- like the kid doesn't want to be the 20 year old crying on TV. So they just they're hanging towels over their faces because they spent months years of preparation for this maybe they were favored in the game and they just got upset that's devastating maybe they their goal was we win the tournament or this was an unsuccessful season and you can see them just like breaking down at the end of the game some usually with like a few seconds to go in the game where it's clear which team is going to win and some teams are just like I can't believe we just lost yeah yeah sometimes there's just that look of utter shock yes. on their face right like that they just can't believe it especially if it's the favorite yep. you know a lot of times teams will go in like just assuming like I'm, I'm guessing number two Kentucky went into the game against number 15 St. Peter's assuming assuming they were just going to win that yeah. right and they came out with a loss and so I'm sure that, that the kids on that team were probably just in shock, you um, know, yes. like sad, but also just in shock. Like, how did that just happen? Yeah. Like, you know, so um, if anybody has seen, I, I feel like I should try to find the link to this too. What, when I was thinking about this, I was think, um, when I was listening to you, I was thinking about a video that I had seen, a video clip I from um, this one of the seniors at Wisconsin. Did you see this clip? I forget his name. I don't think so. Um, I'll have to look it up. But... Some one of the reporters at the end of the game, Wisconsin lost that game. Yep. The reporter asked him how he would like to be remembered as a basketball player. Bold question. Yep. And he, the way that he answered the question was so beautiful because he he basically just said like, you know, yes, I was a basketball player here at Wisconsin, but I really hope that people remember me for my leadership, for being a good friend, for being there to support support them when they were down like he went on you know to basically talk about how his identity is rooted in something else much bigger than basketball and how basketball is something that he loves he put his heart and soul into it it means a lot to him but that's not what he's identified by so he was a i mean i'm sure at the end of the game he was crushed by the loss he was sniffing and like you could see he had been crying but he was able to overcome because he saw the bigger picture his process goal wasn't even basketball related his process goal was human related i daily his outcome goal you mean his yeah, sure, his outcome goal. I yeah. mean, you could look at it kind of both ways. Kind of both, his yeah. outcome goal was to be a better human, mm-hmm. which had the process of being a good friend on a regular basis, you know, helping pick people up when they're looking down. Like, Well, and, and basketball plays into that, yes. right? Like the lessons that we learn from sports affect us. They they shape us into the human being that we are. I, that's how I believe. You know, I believe that as a, an athlete in as a young kid and in high school, I now coach a 10 and under softball team. I see my job as a coach, both for my 10 and, you know, my nine and 10 year old softball players, as well as my 60 year old runners. Like my job as the coach is to help them develop more personal power within themselves to see that they are not just the score the outcome, the number on a clock, right? That there's more to them finding that strength and that resilience and that power within them 
is my is the goal like turning into a stronger more empowered human being like that is the goal i think of our lives and our of our mission and really what we want to get out of running as well because i think a lot of us get into running for that sense of power for that sense of like challenging myself to do hard things and proving something to myself and setting a goal and being able to achieve it like yes the goals are numbers on a clock or a number on the scale or a distance that you're running but it's really when you are in the midst of it and even at the end you'll understand that it's about the process to get there that's really what it's about right because you're never defined by the number on the clock like even even at the start of races like you don't introduce yourself with your name and pr you don't introduce yourself roger bannister sure um but you don't introduce yourself with and now he was he was in interviews at the end of his life, he was far, far more excited about the medical advancements he made oh, than breaking four minutes. He was, but there, there's, I mean, most people know him as the first guy to break four minutes. Fair enough, but he personally was far more proud of his medical accomplishments totally. than breaking four minutes in the mile. That was a thing that he did, but he was so proud of all of the other accomplishments that he had had in his life. But I would argue that his work to break the four minutes in a mile, the four minute mile is one of the things that allowed him to go on to make all of those medical accomplishments in his life, right? The lessons that he learned from training and the dedication and the commitment and everything that he had in order to put in the work to break that four minute mile, set him up for success in the rest of his life. Well, I mean, anytime that one of the big things you're doing in life involves a whole lot of research, that's a lot of, now we're going to try this thing, fail. Now we're going to try this thing, nope. Now we're going to try this thing, nope. Like the perseverance. And also doing something that no one's ever done before. Yes. Right? Like believing that you can. Like believing believing that, that it's even possible. Yeah, like even though no one's ever done it before, I'm still going to try for it, right? Like back then, they believed that like you would literally die, not, that your heart would explode if not, you <laughs> if you broke four minutes. Not as much as <laughs> as the storytellers would like to let you know, like <laughs> that you would just vaporize. <laughs> <laughs> I ran that fast and I just poofed at the end of it. It's, like there was there was like a person who had made that, and so all the news reporters hopped on that one because that was the most sensational statement of yeah. your heart will explode but for the most part people were just they were they weren't sure if if the body could actually do it right. no one really thought the heart would explode most people did not think the heart would explode they just thought that your body would start slowing down you would stop yourself before right. you were able to do it because they did not think humans were capable of doing that as though your your heart your start, your heart somehow understands the difference between 359 and 4. Mm-hmm. Like, your heart really doesn't know what those numbers mean. Yeah. But, like, you know, going back to our March Madness analogy and, and running stuff, like, it's really interesting, right? Because even though only one team wins the tournament, I, I'd like to think of it, like, if we were to look at the big picture, right? If I asked you right now, like, who won March Madness in 1982, could you tell me? No. Exactly. So even though that one team was the top team that year, guess what? The next year there was another one, and the next year there was another one. And there's been, you know, 30, 40 teams since then. I, I have to do the math real quick in my head, right? But like... 82, so 30, 39 What did I say? I said 1982, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's been... There's been a lot of people that have won the tournament each year, right? Just like one race 
is not going to define you as a runner. Like if you bonk in one race, you can try again. There's going to be plenty of races for you to continue to attempt whatever that goal is. As long as, like we said before, as long as you're working in a process-oriented way, you're learning the lessons from those experiences and those failures, trying to get better, figuring out a better way to train for you, because the time on the clock, the distance that you record in your training log, those are not the things that actually define you. Right. Even though so many teams end the season with a loss, it's not like they were like, well, we did not win the tournament. We're shutting down basketball at the school. Like, and that they just also doesn't don't happen. define themselves by like, we are the runner up. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe the runner up, but like we are the team that made it to the elite eight in 1997. Right. Like they define themselves by something else. Right. And then ultimately they get back out there and they keep working towards the the objective big goal of winning the whole thing the next year towards you know the same way that runners runners run that's what we do so since you're not defined by the clock or the distance that you've covered you're an amazing runner regardless of what the clock or distance says as a runner, you go out and run, you lift, you work the mobility, you pay attention to nutrition, you do all of the different aspects of training, you train the mental mental aspects also, gain your, your mental strength here. And so if you have a race, sure, you need some time to recover, you know, probably physically and mentally following a race, but then you get back into the process. You go back to your process-oriented goals. You start picking up those daily wins. You use that race as one more guideline that says, all right, I'm still aiming for the lighthouse. This one, apparently these steps just didn't get me all the way to the lighthouse. I'm going to keep working the process. I'm going to re readjust, kind of maybe, you know, move the sails a little bit so that I can keep aiming more directly to the lighthouse, but I've, I'm staying on the path. Or maybe the lighthouse was a little bit further away than we thought it was, yeah. right? Maybe we were just wrong about the timeline. Maybe we're actually doing all the right things, right? And for whatever reason, our body's just not responding as quickly as we want it to, or... Because <laughs> it's not linear? Right. Or a global pandemic hits and you can't do that race even though you were perfectly in shape for it. Oh, yes. The one time that the training block finally went perfect and then the race got canceled. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but again, we're just kind of estimating where that lighthouse is and we're kind of moving in that direction. But sometimes our calculations can be slightly off, right? Mm. And so it's important to understand that sometimes just because you don't achieve that one thing in that one race that you really wanted to achieve the thing, it doesn't mean that that goal is unattainable. It just means that the timeline is a little bit different and that just wasn't the race that you got to achieve it. Right. But you can still keep going after that goal. And maybe if you've set a huge, amazing, outstanding goal out there, maybe you don't get there. But you're going to get a whole heck of a lot closer by continuing the process, by continuing to strive towards that goal than by saying, well, I mean, that goal seems awesome, but it's probably unattainable. So I I probably shouldn't even give it a shot. Yeah. You want to fail ahead of time or do you want to fail trying? Right. Right. Do you want to fail actually going for the thing? Like if you knew, and this would be an interesting thought for us to ponder, and I would um, invite everyone to ponder it with us. If you knew that you couldn't fail, what would it be that you would strive for? What would you actually strive for if you knew you couldn't fail? Yeah. A, that's question A. Okay. I've got two. And B is if you knew that you wouldn't succeed, would you try anyway? 
Yeah, I like the second one. Mm-hmm. Is the journey sort of like, worth it? Yeah. It's sort of like, okay, what if that goal is so big, success may or may not happen, but success uh, as far as achieving that objective, huge outcome goal doesn't matter. Success in the way that you define it. Right. Right? But like if, if you try for that goal and you never end up achieving it, right? There are people that do set those goals. They set, you know, they want to break a certain time in the marathon and they never end up achieving that thing. Would they say that the entire journey was worthless? I mean, or I, would they say that it was 100% worth it and they would do it again in a heartbeat because of the person they became in the process? So I grew up across the street from an ultra marathoner which did not occur to me until years later that of how amazing a runner my neighbor was. He was an ultramarathoner, and every year he would run Western States, which is like one of the massive, longest-running, you know, crazy ultramarathon races through the mountains of California. He never finished. And every, never once? No. He never finished. He went back every single year, and the way it works, you literally have to qualify to get back into it. So he had to run qualifying ultras to prove that he was good enough to get an, another entry to the race, and then he would run, and he kept... Sometimes he would get farther the next year. Sometimes he would not get as far the next year. Wow. But year after year, he kept going back and running the race. He never finished. He made it to like a health checkpoint. His farthest made it to a health checkpoint somewhere in the 60s. That was wow. as far as he got it. And, but he kept doing it right. because he loved it. And he loved all of the training that went into it and the people that he got to run the race with. And mm-hmm. like all of the other aspects were such huge highlights for him that, of course, he was going to do it the next year. Mm-hmm. Like he did it for as long as he physically could continue to do that race. Yeah. He kept doing that race. Yeah. So, yeah, so ask yourself, would you, you know, would you have continued training and striving and trying for that thing, even if you weren't sure if you were going to achieve that thing? Because honestly, isn't that what kind of makes it more exciting in the first place? Like, yes, achieving the thing is really exciting, right? Like setting a goal, achieving it, that is really exciting. But we all know ourselves, right? Like once you achieve a goal, your brain is like, okay, cool. What's next? Yep. Right? Like that's what all of us do, right? So maybe it is just in the pursuit of the goals. Like that's actually where we get the enjoyment. That's actually where we get, you know, a lot of the benefits of goal setting, of running, of pushing ourselves, of challenging ourselves. It's not actually in the attainment of the goal. It's in the process of getting there. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so are you, our listeners, all of you are beautiful people. And we just want to thank you for spending your time with us here on the Real Life Runners podcast. So if you found this episode helpful or somewhat entertaining, we would love it for you to share it with a friend or to leave us a review on iTunes or both, because that helps us to reach more runners, help spread the joy of running, help people understand how to train in a way that's best for them um, to achieve their goals and find more happiness and feel strong and accomplished as runners because that's really what our goal is is really helping to improve the physical and mental health of the world to make this world a better place so share help us with our mission we would love that so as always guys thank you for spending this time with us today this has been the real life runners podcast episode number 246 now get out there and run your life 
Hey, quick reminder, if you want to learn how to run easier and get better results, if you've ever felt like you could use a reset button or an easy button for your running, we have created a brand new resource for you called the five day running reset. Over the course of five days, we will teach you how to think and train differently in a way that's right for you to help you learn how to listen to your body so that you can run easier and get better results. Check it out over at realliferunners.com forward slash reset. It's free. And in five days, it can completely transform your running. We'll see you there.